Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. It's a weekday, almost the weekend, and it's um, so we're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament and the book of First Chronicles, chapter 13. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. So the David we're referring to is the same King David, David and Goliath David, uh, book of Psalms David, that same David, and he's now been made king. And the book of Chronicles at this point is just sort of reviewing some of the different narratives, we, narratives we've already read. And um, at this point, we're to the point of David and his administration and those who made it up. Uh, verse 2, and David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel and with them to the priests and Levites who are in their cities and their common lands that they may gather together to us. So David is basically saying, let all the tribes unite together. There's 12 different tribes and they are in what they refer to as the promised land. And he's saying, let's all get together. Let's uh, unite. Verse 3, and let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. So the ark of God is that same ark of the covenant. It's the ark that was uh, set up It's um, in the days of Moses, and it's sort of a relic at this point that um, has been continued. Um, it seems that it's made again and again. It's not the same original one. They make replicas of it at least once that we've read about so far. Um, and all it is, according to its original makeup, was sort of a chest or uh, a chest with a jar of manna that the people, uh, a sample of what the people were eating when they were in the wilderness for the 40 years they were wandering through it. Aaron, the patriarch, Moses' brother Aaron, uh, his uh, staff, you know, walking stick basically that had budded sort of miraculously budded almonds and um on it even though it's a walking stick it's still miraculous miraculously budded almonds overnight and um and the art and it also had the the ten commandments in it the two stone tablets or at least that's how it's described as two stone tablets with the ten commandments uh, inscribed on them that's all that was in it um at least according to what the scriptures say um, so that's the ark that's been referred to here. And he's saying, bring it back, um, basically as a way of uniting the kingdom, also the religion and the political arms of the kingdom together, um, for the government. And he's saying that it had, they hadn't been inquiring of it. That's what people would approach to sort of get close to God, to approach God, to pray and get an answer from God. But it's not that alone that people would use. They use something else called the Urim and Thummim, which doesn't have a whole lot of description to it other than the um, English translation is lights and perfections. So it sounds like something digital me, digital to me, but um, it's, you know, that's just how it sounds to me. And since there's no real other description of it, um, how else could they have lights other than like a candle at, way back then? if not some sort of gadget or device. But um, those are the things that people would use when they want to inquire of God as far as physical things. They'd also go to mediums. I mean, you know, that's spiritists, people who can contact the dead 
they go to them also. We read about the medium that Saul went to uh, before his uh, administration ended and um, just a couple of chapters ago. Verse, and also one last thing, the ark is the same ark that is used, um, referred to in the movies, the Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the same ark that's being referred to here. Uh, verse four, then all the assembly said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So the narrator here is letting us know that the people were in agreement with David that the ark should be brought to there and basically unite the people. Verse five, so David gathered all Israel together from Shehor in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring back the ark of God from Kirjath-Jerim. So, um, Shehor seems to, since it's saying from Shehor in Egypt, it must be a city in Egypt where the people, some of the people must have stayed back there when they didn't want to continue going through the wilderness because that happened is basically as soon as they were emancipated from enslavement in Egypt and Africa, when they were leaving, people seemed to all instantly start having regrets and some wanting to turn back. And um, they were repeating that again. Yeah, we read about that also in our in the Exodus, uh, book of Exodus, when we went through it. So apparently here, according to this, either some people moved back to there or never left there in the first place. But it's saying uh, here that um, um, uh, that from that point in Egypt to Hamath, and apparently that's the uh, northernmost area of the so-called promised land, and I wonder how closely that's related to Hamas, the um, the the religious sort of religious political Islamic organization that exists in that part of the world now. I don't know, but it's pretty close in name. But either way, it, it what he's what's basically being said here is that uh, everyone is being gathered to uh, basically celebrate the ark being brought up from that area of Kirjath-Jerim to where David is there in Jerusalem. Verse 6, And David and all Israel went up to Abala, to Kirjath-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim, where his name is proclaimed. So, uh, that's, um, Bala here is, um, is um, just sort of a nickname or uh, for another area of Judah, the same tribal area region of Judah. Um, and Kirjath-Jerim is where the Ark was being held at to that point. Um, but the other thing to notice about that is, oh, between the cherubim. So where it says between the cherubim, it's talking about the design of the Ark. It's a chest, like I said, when we um, when when we first started this chapter, um, but the design of the chest is made according to when it was uh, designed in the first place to resemble um, the mercy seat, as it's called, basically the seat of God and the throne of God, and it had two angels, one on either side, with their wings spread out, um, covering their own faces and covering the mercy seat, the throne, basically, so that. Um, you couldn't see who's sitting there on the throne and you couldn't see the angels' faces, the cherubim's faces, the cherubim faces. Um, so that contradicts what uh, 
lots of preachers will tell you, at least some preachers will tell you now, that angels don't have wings. Even though we read again and again and again about the cherubim, the seraphim, the angels having wings, and they'll say, no, the angel, we were made in the image of God, and the angels didn't have wings because we don't have wings. Well, that's obviously not the case, as we read again and again about the angels having wings and flying, and the cherubim having wings, having them spread out. So clearly, there's some these beings have wings, no matter what the preacher tells you. Um, but that's how the design of the ark is also. It's that chest with the angels, the two, one on either side, and wings spread out covering that seat in the middle. Um, it's, it's no, it'd be basically like a statue that you have that uh, in modern times that people would go to um, and seek God. Only the, in the case of the Ark of the Covenant, it seemed to have miraculous powers where it would strike down people, strike down enemies, sometimes strike down some of the Israelites, and um, it have dazzling shows, or presumably of God showing up there for the when the people would approach it or inquire at it. So that's why it was considered a holy relic because it 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 had it brought the action. Um, verse seven. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzan Ahio drove the cart. So it's getting to um, the, an episode where there was sort of instant karma where, uh, well, we'll just read about it. So it's talking about when the ark was being brought up from that area to where David was. Verse 8, then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. So they're bringing up the ark to where David is with uh, rejoicing, basically. Um, it's a whole congregation of people bringing up the ark to where the new king is about to take the throne or is has taken the throne. Verse 9, and when they came to Shaddon's threshing floor, Uzzah put, put out his hand to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. So here's an example. We're getting to it now of where it seems kind of petty. They're bringing the ark up to uh to put it, give it its new home, put it in its new place for people to, to uh, inquire at it or revere it, however you want to think of it. They're moving it from where it was to where it's going to be now. And as the cows, the oxen were carrying it, one of the cows stumbled. So the ark seemed like it was going to tumble over. So Uzzah, a person, put out his hand to help keep it from falling over and look how that kind of effort gets rewarded verse 10 then the anger of the lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he because he put his hand to the ark and he died there before god so this is what i mean by it seems really petty petty why would god be so god almighty i mean not whatever entity it is that they're worshiping as god um but why would god almighty be so ready to lash out at someone who's trying to do the right thing. And some preachers will try and tell you, oh, you don't have to be perfect. God counts you trying as perfect and stamps it okay. Obviously not. Uzu was just trying to be helpful and keep the uh, ark from being damaged from the ox stumbling. Um, I guess he should have just let the ox stumble and let the ark tumble over and fall down and maybe break or 
let the ox stumble and then the ark go to fall down and then miraculously, supernaturally, it float in the air and then uh, save the, the ox from falling over and set itself back upright? I don't know. It, that didn't get to happen because someone tried to intervene and help and keep it from happening. And like I said, look how they were rewarded. So when preachers tell you something, it doesn't mean it's true. That just means it's what they're saying. Because here, clearly, God, if you're going to think of this as God, and I don't think it's God Almighty, but again, it's what's said, it's being translated to Lord in English. Um, so I'm just reading it because it's what it says. Um, uh, but to me, why would God Almighty be so ready to react so violently and strike somebody down for trying to help, um, but then not say or do anything when some of the other atrocities we've read about whether it's the different rapes, gang rapes, um, the covetousness, the killings, silence, nothing. Um, but as somebody trying to help with the ark about to tumble over, instantly they get struck down. That doesn't seem consistent to me. And it does seem petty to me, but, you know, it is high read, so we're going to keep reading. Um, it, it, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right to me to overlook all those other horrible things, but then get mad because somebody's trying to help. And then it's to add, like I said, insult to injury to have preachers say, all you have to do is try and that's good enough for God. Obviously it's not. That's, this is just one example of it not being good enough for God just because somebody tried to do the right thing. Um, if you're going to believe that that's God Almighty. Verse 11, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So um, Perez, it um, translates to or means outburst. Um, and Uzzah, out, outburst against Uzzah is what it means with the Perez Uzzah. Um, and so David also it apparently thought it was kind of um, a bit much, a little extra for God to lash out and kill somebody because they're trying to help keep the ark from being tumbled over. But who knows, maybe God was intending for that to be a dazzling, glamorous moment to win over everybody's uh, faith, to have the ark stumble, have the ark tumble, and then um, keep it from tumbling over and miraculously uh, make it rise up again and stay afloat. I don't know. So maybe in that sense, Uzi stepped on God's toes, and maybe that's why he paid the ultimate price, paid for his life, paid with his life for trying to help. Um, but... It is hot reads, so we're just reading it. And one last thing about that one is, as it says, to this day, lets us know this isn't contemporaneous. This is someone looking back and writing the different events and scribing the different events, reviewing the different events, not writing them down as they happen. Because they're saying to this day, meaning not to 2023, but to the day that they wrote this down um, and it was scribed. So sometime in the distant past to that day, not to this modern 2020, 2023 day of when I'm recording this, this podcast. Verse 12, David was afraid of God that day saying, how can I bring the ark of God to me? So um, the outbreak against Uzzah was enough to sort of shake David's nerves and make him wonder how can he be worthy enough to uh, carry the ark up to himself? If uh, God is so ready to lash out at the people who are rejoicing at the ark even showing up. 
Verse 13, so David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So rather than continue on the course of bringing the ark up to himself, um, where he's now at Jerusalem in the, the king's courts, instead, he turned aside and left the ark with somebody else so they'll be in danger. Now, does that, again, does that sound like a man of strong, good character? We've already gone over the adultery, the murder, the hit he put out on somebody, and all. And he, there were plenty of other treacherous things he did uh, to to the people along the way, including some of his allies like Joab and some of his soldiers. Uh, very, very treacherous. Not a very good character the way it reads at all. And yet again, David is considered an honorable patriarch among the patriarchs. Um, and here's one more instance of his seeming cowardice but understandable cowardice in this sense since he just saw somebody who's trying to do the right thing get struck down he figures why bring that kind of danger to me and why not just put it in obed edom's house and let him deal with it a gittite someone who's not even of their own people some uh, a whole other person he a whole other a foreigner he's leaving out leaving the ark there with them and his heir in his house instead Verse 14, the Ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom all, and all that he had. So presumably his name is Obed-Edom because he's from the area of Edom or the Edomites. Also, they're basically cousins to the Israelites. We've already gone over how they're related. So um, presumably that's why his name is Obed-Edom. So his name is Obed, but Edom is the area he's from, I guess. Um, and so they left the ark with him. And while it was well up with him, according to the narrator, God blessed him plenty. And um, the whole time that the ark was there with him. And then eventually, as we've read before, uh, David decided to go ahead and, I guess, think, well, it's safe enough. Obed Edom's being blessed and he hasn't been stricken down. So we'll go ahead and get the ark and bring it to me now. Uh, but we are to that point in, um, in the narrative at this point. But we read about it already in another book that we've gone through. But this is the last verse in this chapter. So that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth. As always, I hope it's a blessing for you. And as always, I hope you'll join me again. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.